Get to the church blind! Get to the church blind! Go! Now! I'm Pete Mitchell, and he's Peyton Jones, and you're listening to Hardcore Church Planning, the companion podcast for the Church Planner Podcast and Church Planner Magazine. Each week, we'll bring you interviews from planners who are in the trenches making it happen right now. These active church planners bear it all, share their successes, their failures, and what they'd wish they'd known when they were first starting out. Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plan. Have you ever had to prep a sermon and you just looked at your bookshelf and you didn't have enough of what you needed? Well, you don't have to do that. Go to Logos.com. Logos Bible Software has everything that you need at pretty much at your fingertips because you're literally typing stuff in and with the click of a mouse button, you can open the entire C.H. Spurgeon Library. You can look up original languages, word studies. I mean, this thing is like the Lollapalooza of church planning information. You can have a little mini concert in your sermon prep right there. All the greats kind of gathered around and picking their brains and putting them into your sermon. And you want to check out LogosBibleSoftware.com. They'll actually make you look smarter than you actually are. Hey, Church Planner, this is Peyton Jones. You're with me for Hardcore Church Planning. I have, as my guest, someone I respect a huge deal. He's been on here before. I've mentioned him before. I love to get inside of his brain and hear how he thinks. Um, Been tracking with him since way back in 2013. The first phone call I ever had with him, I was standing in a hallway in a hospital in Minneapolis, and Church Zero had dropped, and we were chatting. I was adopting my second baby, and from that time forward, we formed a relationship and a friendship, and uh, he's one of the people I think you definitely need to latch hold of and pay attention to what he's saying. His name is Joel Hughes, Dr. Joel Hughes. He is uh, professor of psychology at Kent University. He's also one of the elders of a missional community, does a lot of work with uh, collegiate um, uh, campus uh, ministry, uh, missional community, very forward thinking. And usually uh, when he writes something, it, it'll normally be like a, a, an email. And I'll say, dude, make that an article or can I make that an article? That's amazing. So it's an honor to have you on here, Dr. Hughes. Well, it's great to be here, Peyton. Very excited it's, about it. What's really weird is I called you Dr. Hughes. And that was like podcast talk, but like, yeah, you're Joel, Joel, you know, it's like, yeah, this is weird. But anyways, man, I'm super excited um, for your uh, your newest book, which uh, for those of you, um, we've, ha- we've had Dr. Hughes on here before talking about other things, but today we're going to talk about his, his latest book, Kicking the Habit, Quitting Pornography, under grace. And uh, we'll talk more about how you can get that a little bit later on. But uh, Dr. Hughes, how bad is the porn problem? Well, uh, it's actually kind of an epidemic, in my opinion. I think that we're going to get to the maximum rate of use in society, because it's just everywhere. And I didn't know this until I started writing the book. But in 2006, we started having the uh, tube sites that can high speed stream porn right to your uh, laptop or your uh, phone. You know, most of the young guys I know, they're just using it on their phone. And so since then, it's been completely available. I was just talking to a friend um, 
this weekend when we were camping and his nine-year-old daughter was using the computer in their kitchen and just doing innocent homework. And then she says, mom, you know, and they were like, oh no. And then they knew they had to get a filter. So it's, it's out there and everybody uses it or at least is exposed to it, even if they don't want to use it. Yeah. You know, I've had a, a, a filter on my computer for years. I use um, net nanny, you know, good old Mormons. I think it's always Mormons that make these things because they're always from Utah. Um, but, Sometimes. uh, but my, um, my, my phone, I was like, well, how come there's nothing on my phone? So I got another one for my phone and that's kind of, uh, it, I think it's an essential survival skill for ministers yeah, today. Absolutely. I mean, you have to have car insurance and these days you got to have porn insurance. And so you have to have either some filter or a password or something because it's coming to you, you know, yeah, it'll absolutely. come to you whether or not you want it to. Yeah. And I think, I think most men like we're, we're not men of steel. I mean, yeah, we, you know, it's kind of, it's something we like to do. You know, we like to see our wives naked. It's, it's kind of good, right? I mean, the first, it's very good, first worship song in the Bible that Adam ever sang was when he saw Eve for the first Absolutely. time and she was naked. And I got to think that's a holy thing. And Paul kind of makes that whole point. But Satan always takes and perverts what is good and what is right and puts it outside of its proper box and container. And, but hey, that's for you to talk about. Um, but you, you mentioned it was an epidemic. Um, why would you call it an epidemic? I think that if you have um, some kind of toxic environment or some kind of widespread virus, you know, everybody who can catch it is going to catch it. And a good example is like obesity in America. You know, we have a toxic food environment where you can get lots of food for almost no money. And so unless you're resistant or unless you take countermeasures or unless you get some kind of effective treatment, everybody in America is either overweight or obese. And in the same sense, the Internet environment is pretty toxic these days. And so if you don't have countermeasures or if you don't have an effective treatment or, or if you're not just naturally resistant, you know, women use less porn uh, than men, but it's still a third of the traffic on porn sites is women. Yeah, you know, I've heard that before. Um, what about in the church, man? Is it is there a difference between the church, or what's how widespread is it within the, the church? It's a little bit less widespread in the church, but the scary thing is that you'd no longer ask whether or not your men are using porn. You just ask how much, because it's so ubiquitous now. Even um, like up to 70% of youth pastors will admit that it's either a current or a formal str- former struggle. You know, and mm. that's a lot. That's it's the pastors. It's the you know deacons. It's the church planting team. It's everybody. Um, and people are using it. And some people don't use it very much. Some people are really resistant. But then there's a certain percentage that they get hooked. And, you know, of the people of the actually the pastors that are currently using porn, only 40 percent are confident that they're not addicted. Right. Oh, wow. Well, what? OK, so like. Here's here's the the question because I know some people they're listening and they're like yeah but you know I keep it under control you know I'm I'm good I'm I'm not struggling with it really I can stop right all addicts say that but what what are the what are the effects that maybe aren't people don't really know like how dan- like some guys like I I I could hear as I was saying hey we're not Superman you know we like like yeah. there's a godly desire but some guys are buying into the yeah. lie like. Uh, it's just what boys do. Boys will be boys, you know. Is that, what What are the detrimental effects of well, porn? Well, I think you actually started to allude to that when you started talk, talking about Genesis. And so let's just go for the jugular. The biggest harm of porn, in my view, is that it actually wars against the gospel. And that's something that a lot of people don't realize. Um, because when you think about it, sexuality is spiritual. And we know that um, 
the first covenant with uh, Abraham was circumcision. And then in the New Testament, it talks about us having a circumcision of the heart. And what's weird about that is that what we're dealing with is a symbol system in sexuality that points us to what it means to have a covenant or covenant love. And that's that was in Genesis, and then it's in Revelation. All the way through the Bible, marriage is this covenant relationship, not a contract, but a committed until we die relationship. And sexuality within marriage is inseparable from that covenant. And so uh, it's like the crosshairs, you know, it's the target for the devil is to go after your sexuality. And so although I don't really, I mean, it's going to sound scandalous. I don't really care if boys will be boys, but I do care about the gospel. And so if what we're seeing is that the gospel has been targeted, that is to say the symbol system that God put into us um, that shows what it's like to have a covenant relationship you know, with God and with uh, each other, you know, that's starting in Genesis from before the fall. And so it's really deep. I mean, it's kind of going beyond just porn, but that's since porn is sexual and is spiritual, mm. um, it ends up being related to the gospel. And for example, Josh mm. McDowell said that um, that's heavy, dude. That's a huge point. Yeah. Right there. I mean, it, we could go Be- on and on on that because um, it's sexual. And of course, Paul does say that, right? Every other sin's committed yeah. outside your body, but there's that one, that spiritual communion that happens. So he says, you've united Christ with a prostitute. I mean, Absolutely. those are fighting words. I mean, Paul's saying, look, this sin, you guys, you got to get this under control. Like, it's not an optional extra, you know. Oh, I envy people a little bit. You know, no, no, this is this is different, Paul says. So, sorry, I interrupted yeah. you. Josh McDowell no, that's was okay. saying. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny because I, I just wrote an article for uh, some online site that they may or may not take on, the, on how pornography is actually probably going to cripple their uh, ministry <laughs> because oh, it's like, you know, everybody's using it among the youth and they don't think it's a big deal. But Josh says that, um, McDowell said that it's the biggest threat that we face right now. Yeah. And he's an apologist. And so why would he say that? You know, what does he care? Well, what he found is that young people can't think clearly anymore. Right. And, and he couldn't understand why he was going around and talking to thousands and thousands of people doing his apologetics. And he's finding that the youth can't think clearly anymore. And he traced it back to the widespread availability of internet porn, which, again, there does not appear to be a connection. But then you look in John 3, and it says that if people are into evil, they're going to reject the truth. Right. And that's heavy, because Jesus doesn't contrast in his light versus darkness. It's not truth and false. It's truth and evil. Right. And so as a psychology professor, right, like, you're, you're obviously concerned about how the mind works. And I read a book this year called How the Brain Changes Itself. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you, I'm sure you're familiar with the book, but um, there's a whole chapter on pornography in there. And yeah. it's terrifying. And I was talking to an atheist who recommended the book to me. And I said, you know, man, I just, he said, how's the book? I said, I just read the chapter on pornography. And I said, I'm so glad that I am a Christian and that that's not like something I even believe in. Like, it's not okay. But I go, when you read it, you're terrified. Like, oh my gosh, I don't ever want to look at porn again. Like, once you understand yeah. that it does actually cripple the brain. And this book lays that out. It's it's not a Christian book. And the, the atheist said, um, he's, he's very close to me, he said, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? That when you really dig into this stuff, Bible did seem to know what it was talking about. (laughs) (laughs) That is so true. That is so true. And here's a pet theory that I think is backed up by uh, some other books that are coming out. We're having a problem with young men in America being able to become an adult. And I think a big problem is the widespread availability of video games and Internet porn, not just because they're distractions, but because they 
provide an alternate reality in yeah. which you can have um, accomplishments that aren't real and mm. sex that's virtual. And so why wow. do men grow up? You know, they grow up, they get a job, they build a house, they do whatever they, whatever they got to do. They kill their lion. They want to be a man so they can start a family. But if you take that away and there's no point, you can just uh, have whatever you want in your basement while your hands are frozen to the PlayStation controller, you know, and there's so much Cheetos dust, you're never going to get clean. You know, there's uh, <laughs> young men these days don't have any need to leave the basement. Right. And that's and that's, I think, why we're seeing what some people are calling the dating apocalypse in the church. You know, people just don't date. And uh, it's hard to get men to study. You know, why study? Because I'm going to level up my character. So we're a little off topic. But my, I agree with you that it starts to change your brain. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I study oh, while I level up my character. I mean, you know, it's yeah. not, uh, you know, for the horde. I'm um, just teasing. But, uh, but, you know, to, to be honest, um, you know, you mentioned earlier in the, in the conversation, you know, that, you know, you, you mentioned the phrase effective treatment. And I know yeah. that when you're saying that, you're, you're saying there's obviously things that, that aren't working that people are trying about, you know, to, to deal with pornography. What what is going to work? Because I know your book is definitely laying this out. What what is something that will work? Um, well, I think that we need to combine spiritual approaches and uh, some mm -hmm. like behavior approaches. And so right. I think you're going to need both. I uh, since it's spiritual, I just don't think that self help will get you there. And so I'm not that um, charismatic, but I do believe that there's a place for deliverance. For example, yep. Yep. you know the Bible says a bitterness is. Uh, provides a double a foothold. And I don't see why lust couldn't also provide a foothold. And so it may be the case that you need to cry out to be rescued, like it would say in Romans 8. You know, who's going to save me from this body of death? Well, it's not going to be you. And so I do think we need to have the spiritual part, which is why, you know, my book in particular is going to sound like nonsense to people that don't believe in Jesus. Uh, but in addition to that, that we know some things that would work if you did them, such as um, there's actually only one study ever that was a randomized clinical trial of a treatment for porn. And that's a randomized wow. clinical trial is like the gold standard of like, this is what you do. You randomize people to the real treatment or the pretend treatment. And it was called acceptance and commitment therapy, which basically is a serenity prayer. Mm. And what it is, is it's like, okay, I'm going to feel certain feelings, but instead of trying to never feel that way, what if I just accept that I feel that way and then I do the right thing anyway? Mm. So think about that. It's kind of like, yep. okay, I, I have urges, but urges aren't commands. You have your feelings. They don't have you. And so go ahead and have your urges. But instead of, of uh, responding to them, let's reflect on what is it that's your values? What is it you're supposed to be doing right now? And so that had a 90 percent quit rate, which is astonishing. Wow. You know, and that's huge, too, because it's kind of like First John where it goes, hey, if we say we have no sin, we lie and the truth's not in us. But if we confess our sin and, and there's this whole idea, right, that, um, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm not supposed to be feeling I'm not supposed to be wanting to go to porn sites. But yes, you are a Christian. But you're also a human being and you're going to get tempted. Yeah. I, I remember, it's funny you say this because my youth pastor, I was super, I'm one of those kids that was super blessed. Like I got saved around 15 years old. My youth pastor was awesome. And he used to say things. He, he just understood. He was super real and super upfront and honest. And he was like, you know, you guys, when you get tempted, that's not sin. You know, you're, you're going to, oh, the craziest temptation you're going to, and you're going to, Satan's going to want you to feel bad about it. And so he was like, look, that's a tactic to get you just to give in and do it as if, cause you already feel, well, I already feel guilty. I already did it in my mind. He's like, that's not true. He's like, look, 
exactly what you're saying there, that, you know, to be tempted is not actually to commit the sin. So acknowledge the temptation. Heck, even Jesus was tempted. Yes. You know, I mean, he was tempted and yet he had no sin. Yeah, I agree with that. Someone just asked me today, why would Jesus allow himself to be tempted? And I said, well, he's human. You know, (laughs) anybody who's human is going to be tempted without sin in the case of Jesus. Yeah. And he was in a way, his temptation is kind of a testing. You know, it was before his ministry started and he was tested and he uh, passed the test. You know, we don't always pass the test, but we can pass it more if we're not feeling guilty. And so that brings in the issue of accusation. Um, The devil likes to accuse us and make us feel guilty. And then out the window goes all of our resolve, you know, because we already gave we already gave in. And so then people just run with it. And so um, there's a lot of things in the book that I have for different techniques. But what you'll find is that they're all pretty positive. And so I'm hoping that people can put down the temptation and get rid of the accusation and um, not just go with it, you know, right. Acknowledge that you're feeling that way, but then get back to what it was you were supposed to be doing. Right. So let me ask you, you mentioned that there's only one clinical study. Now that's, that's crazy to me that, you know, you had one clinical trial like that. Um, you would think like with the epidemic, it is like there'd be tons more, but even that's telling, you know, maybe, maybe people really, they just like it so much, you know, and I, and I really, yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Well, I think that that's going to become an increasing uh, topic of discussion because, I told, you know, my physician, I don't know what religion he might be, but he actually asked me for a copy of my book when I said I wrote a book because he's a physician and he's saying that it's an epidemic. You know, he's Mm. seeing the erectile dysfunction in young men and stuff like that. Right. And so whether or not we want to, we're going to have to start acknowledging that this is a problem. But, you know, in the 21st century culture wars, you know, people just do whatever they feel and we're they're scared to talk about this as if it was a problem. You know, it's a bigger industry than sports. And so they, I don't know. I don't know why it is that people aren't really studying this. I guess they're studying at the level of, is it harmful? And what does it do to your brain? But they're just not to the point of what can we do to stop? Okay. Awesome, man. Well, okay. So here's, here's my question. Um, how many, how many resources are out there? If people aren't, you know, people aren't wanting to stop. Um, how many, I mean, is there, is there a bunch of stuff out there? Is there there's some. There's uh, you could get different books, and there's some accountability software. There's some uh, ministries. Um, but what I learned, um, which really surprised me when I started looking into this, is that none of them have been tested, which I kind of understand, and that also a lot of them are led by uh, recovering addicts, and that might be why your average church doesn't necessarily have a recovery group for you. Because someone has to come forward and say, I'm a recovering addict, and so I want to start a recovery group. And who wants to do that? Yeah, nobody wants to be that guy at church, right? Like, hey, that guy used to look at a bunch of porn, you know? Yeah, so I actually didn't think that through. I could have, I could have realized maybe I was admitting something I didn't mean to. <laughs> I just, nobody I will date me friends. now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, well, yeah, go on. <laughs> well, I was just, I have friends that have problems because I work with a lot of college students and post-college students, and I didn't have anything for them. And I said, I got to do something about this. And right. so I went with it. And I, what I ended up doing was just kind of using a smoking cessation metaphor because I know how to make people stop smoking. And then I added that to the spirituality part because I do think that it's a spiritual issue at its most foundational. Okay, so why is smoking cessation a good metaphor for, for, for quitting porn? Um, well, it's really addictive. You know, uh, it's as addictive as crack cocaine, and there's a huge scientific literature 
uh, maybe 60,000 studies and probably thousands of clinical trials. And so we know how to stop smoking. And we know that it's addictive and we know about the harms of smoking. And so there's these treatment programs that have many, many elements. And for porn stopping, there's just the one study. And then there's some things that Christian uh, ministries have started and books people have written. But I thought, why don't you just import all of these effective addiction recovery ideas? Just put them in. And the danger is that it's over-engineered, maybe. You know, it's like too much, but I don't care because it's going to work, you know. (laughs) And so I'm getting good feedback on the people that have started recovery groups and the people that I know that have been through the book. They're uh, they're coming to me with a different look on their face instead of sheepish and embarrassed. It's more like, well, I can't believe this is working. And so I think that we can just use smoking cessation, uh, which is admittedly a little bit forced because this is not smoking, Um, but uh, it works. And half of the people that used to smoke don't smoke anymore. And so that means that there's hope. No, I get it, man, because I I know so many smokers that are like, you know, I can't. If you're not a smoker, you don't understand. You're like, and I've never been a smoker. Like, to me, it seems like, how are you addicted to that? How did you let yourself get in? Why don't you just stop? And I think, but I've worked around addiction enough as an RN, as a a psych nurse. I worked some rehab. Um, you know, I've led churches full of addicts numerous times and it's just kind of you, the first thing an addict wants to know when they meet you is, are you an addict? I'll never forget yeah. being an RN. I would always say no. And they, it would kind of be like, you could see the shield come up and they'd be like, okay. And they look over to someone else, you know, another set, are you an addict? Like there's a connection that, that they have because what they're feeling is you don't understand this. And and I yeah. don't understand smoking, but I understand addiction. Like, like yeah. that may not be, I think addiction works the same. You know, it, it works on the brain the same. The, 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 I'm sure, you know, we know that there's physiological addiction, there's psychological addiction and psychological addiction, they say is the most dangerous kind. And yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, they, they work pretty much the same. And I agree that they, They'd like it to be a recovering uh, addict that's running their group. It doesn't have to be. But I would uh, tell people that we're all broken, basically. Right. And so whether it's alcohol or drugs or uh, smoking or porn, everybody's got something that is a habit that they just can't seem to get free from. And so I think that if we're honest and we put down our defenses, we all have a lot in common when it comes right. to trying to stop something or even to start something. There's things we wish we were doing that we're not doing. Right. That kind of thing. Okay, so kicking the habit, quitting pornography under the under grace. That uh, subtitle is what's got my attention. Um, what did you mean by that? Well, the point of grace is that um, I think that in Galatians and Romans, you can make a strong case that sanctification or becoming more spiritual is something that happens by the Holy Spirit and by grace and not by your own effort. And I think that's clear in Galatians 3, for example. And so since pornography, Pornography is a spiritual issue. It's going to be sanctification, not just behavior change. You know, you're not just trying to, to okay. quit eating too many carbs, and you're not just trying to start running or something. Right. It's not a habit that you can change by yourself. And so, I think that we need to come from a perspective of grace, which is to say that you know, uh, our salvation and our relationship with God is a free gift that we get by faith in Jesus. And even to become more spiritual or to become more fruitful is a gift that we're given. And so that, for me, makes it a positive focus, and it gets us away from the shame and the guilt and the accusation. I personally don't think we need to spend any time talking about the harms, um, 
because if a person has really try, decided that they want to stop, then the time for talking about harms is over. You know, I know that sounds weird, um, but in smoking cessation, you don't talk about the harms once someone is stopping. Right. They're, they're stopping. So you talk about how great it is to be able to taste your food, how great it is to be able to walk down the street. And so in the same sense, there actually are, believe it or not, a lot of advantages and benefits of not being the kind of person that's addicted to Internet porn. Right. You know, and that that's huge. Like what you said there. I mean, I just know my own struggles with lust as a as a young, you know, teenager and going through high school I and mean, we didn't have the availability of, of internet porn. I, I, God help me had I had that back then, but yeah. I really did want to walk clean and pure with God. So, um, you know, I, I understood grace. I knew that, but that whole idea, like, like I would just pray like, God, you know, like help me, you know, is that Romans seven struggle? Was that, you know, Lord help me not want what the Lord's prayer, you know, um, uh, you know, lead me not into temptation one till years later. I understood that that's uh, what that prayer is really saying is help me not want what I want, you know, um, you know, kind of, kind of, and, and sanctification, like what you just said, like that, that's something that's been huge for me, that spiritual dynamic, not just, I mean, I, I have a huge willpower, but it's weak. I mean, you look at me and I, you know, I've been thinner in, in the past. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not a huge tub of lard, but I'm also not, I don't have a, you know, six pack and washboard stomach. And, and had my willpower been great enough for that. So I, I think we kid ourselves sometimes. It can't just be willpower. Um, no, it's not. But, but when you said that it also is sanctification, I think that goes back to that. Um, you know, it's almost like the, you know, God says, you, you push, I'll pull. You know, you're not in this alone. He's bearing the yoke with you. You're doing this together. You're not alone. You know, he's, he's pulling, yeah. you're pushing. And, uh, I, I really, I, I, that's amazing to me. That, that makes sense. So beside the psychological reasons, what would be some of the theological reasons that you would, um, that you would say that we quit pornography under grace? Um, I think that, it's really the kindness of God that brings us to repentance, mm. not our fear of God. And I know that Jesus does uh, talk about judgment and that there is a place, especially like when maybe when you're teaching the large group to talk about the dangers and the harms of porn, because you're trying to get people interested in changing. But once a person has decided to change, it's really the kindness of God that, that gets us moving in the right direction. And when you look at um, even the Old Testament, God is just ridiculously kind to people who don't deserve it. Amen. You know, it says he knows our frame that we're dust. You know, we're made from dirt. And so you see the things that people do, just the boneheaded things that people do in the Old Testament. And it's usually the case that God's not there yelling at him. You know, it's like Elijah runs away. You know, David has all these problems and they get in trouble sometimes. But it's not like God is there wagging his finger. And so I just think that um, theologically, God is a God of grace. He's a God of covenant love. And he tries to even put that into our sexuality as a, as a metaphor for us to see. It only works by grace, not by law. And so in the same sense, when we're trying to quit something uh, spiritual like pornography, it has to be through the grace of God, if that mm, makes any sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, okay, so it has to be by grace and not by law, not just I'm going to do gooder, I'm going to try yeah. harder, I'm going to be better. Um, so... How does that work? I mean, you know, obviously we're talking to church planners out there. I, I would love it, Joel, if I could say all ministers, all um, 
you know, all ministers, all uh, church planners, they get this. Surely they get But yet we've got churches full of people who don't get this. So my, yeah. my thought is, uh, no, we don't got this. And there's lots of people that that are out there really preaching a version of, you know, the New Deal. And it ain't grace. It's it's yeah. the law. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that there's a lot of silence in the church and probably even among church planters. Um, but I've kind of gone a, undergone a paradigm shift on that. And I think we need to be talking about sexuality now because let's just be honest. You know, it's in our face every day. Yep. And so if we can – this only happens in groups. You can't do this by yourself. And so I think that if you want to quit porn or whatever it is that you're trying to do that's sanctification, I think you need to be open and honest with at least one other person from your fellowship. Mm. And I think that pastors and church planners get isolated and depressed because they think that they can't be honest. And so you've got to have a group of some people that you can just be honest with because they're not going to be shocked. You know, if you saw their browsing history, you'd say, oh, yeah, I guess I'm not the only one. And so (laughs) we need to do this together. And we need to uh, be gracious about it. And since sexuality is spiritual, it's something that I think should be on the minds of church planters uh, because this is something you're going to address when they're planting. Right. There's a lot of brokenness that people need to recover from. There's a lot of uh, snares that have ensnared people. You know, you look at Billy Graham and he got his people together in Modesto in 1948 to say what takes down pastors. Mm. And it was pride, money, sexual temptation. Yep. And so is it any better? No, it is not. It's the same as it always was. The, so the reverse to- way to put that is don't touch the money, don't touch the power, and don't touch the women. You yes, know? yes. The, the uh, three don't yeah. touches. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, wait, wait. Don't touch. Wait, it was don't touch the money, don't touch the women, and don't touch the glory. That's what it was. Don't touch okay. the glory. Yeah. So, I say oh, that with a, true. if I say it with a Southern accent, like, don't touch the glory. <laughs> Sorry, I'm. I'm uh, this is going south real fast. So that's okay, Doctor Hughes. You know, having you on here, uh, always an honor to me. But but more because of how your brain thinks. You know, um, I know that there's a couple things. That things are going to be deeply spiritual, theological, and they're also going to be um, informed and educated. And you know, as you talked about, they're going to be scientific. So um, you know, kicking the habit, um, quitting porn under grace uh, book. Just, you know, if I gave you a couple seconds to say, hey, tell me, tell me why this book is different in the sea of, and I say that kind of jokingly, in the sea of books about quitting porn for Christians, which let's be oh, honest, yeah. there aren't a bunch, you know, um, there's some, there's some, but tell me why should people grab this one? Cause if I didn't think that I wouldn't have you on. So tell them, feel free to just tell them what, what's different about kicking the habit. Uh, this one is actually a little bit unique because it's only positive. We don't spend any time talking about the harms, and most books have chapters and chapters of harms, which I don't want to get into because we're going to do this under grace. Second of all, I'm, I've gathered the effective techniques from the addiction literature that we know should work, mm. including the key element of that uh, treatment that had a 90% quit rate. And then also, there's no autobiography about my journey. And I know that that's a risk because people want to hear my journey. But um, I don't want to have social comparisons. You know, this is your right. journey, not my journey. Right. And so everybody, if you get into a group, you can tell your stories to each other. But in the book, I didn't really want to go there. And then finally, it has a uh, three phases. Instead of just stop it, what's wrong with you? We start with getting ready. <laughs> <laughs> getting ready to quit. And that sounds weird because I'm not trying to say go for it. And, you know, you get two more weeks. But what I'm saying is uh, this, you know, you've been doing this a while and it's going to take a while to get ready to quit. 
because you're going to have to clear everything out. You're going to have to set mm. up your software. You're going to have to get your group together. And so we actually have the different phases. And it's also really cheap. I guess that's the last thing. My publisher doesn't care about money, apparently. He's not touching the money. <laughs> I'll give him that. <laughs> so it's like $3.99 on the Kindle version. And I have a website where you could download all the handouts. So I'm not trying to get rich off this. I, you know, there's almost no royalty. You know this. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. And I think I think that's it's funny. I had an Uber driver yesterday who was like, man, but you know, that's a sweet deal of money. And I said, no, not Christian publishing. That's that's not a lucrative yeah. uh, not business. Lucrative but, you know, the, the, the whole idea that, you know, we we're talking about phases preparing to quit. There's always those those scenes in the movie where, you know, you got the old cowboy and, you know, he's got to take care of business. And yeah. he, he, he has a dramatic moment where he pours out his whiskey bottle, you know, and the, the music turns to a big, you know, dramatic crescendo. And you're like, yes, he's back. You know, um, that whole idea that, you know, it, it, it is, it's, it's very mint. It's like a commitment cutoff point, you know, for, yeah, for exactly. a man to get to that point where he's like, I've had enough. And guys, here's the thing. I'll tell you with, with any secret sin, um, it's only a matter of time. Um, I, I remember years ago, you know, I had a, a, a brief interlude with porn. And I remember the Lord just telling me, you keep doing this, you're going to get caught. And I was like, wow, you know, and it was, it was very brief. And my wife and I hashed it out and talked it through. But that's just always how stuff has worked for me. Anything I do, I get caught anyways. And the Lord is very merciful. And is like, I don't think you want to go down this road. And by God's grace, that's kind of been, you know, that was very, I mean, that to me, that was a little bit supernatural where it was like, okay, you know, common sense would have told me that, but common sense isn't that common. And just guys, you know, kind of a, a deal here. You will, um, you will actually, you will blow up your life. And the problem with this sin is when it happens and it blows up, it you're, you're disqualified publicly. I mean, you know, you just, it, it, you don't bounce back easily from this. And so you need to, to do what you got to do now. It has to be a strategic, hey, I don't want to be that next guy. You know, everyone's whispering about at the pastor's conference or this or that. I don't want to be that guy. And you will be that guy. If you don't, if you, you will never get away with this in secret for, for a, you might've so far, but eventually you always get caught. It always blows back up in your face. And that's a dude that I've been in ministry, Joel, uh, 30 years. And I've just, you know, when you're a pastor, it's kind of like being a psychologist you or psychiatrist, you, you know, everybody's secrets, you know, over time. And of course I've talked with many, many pastors over the years as well. And to me, it's just, man, coming to that point of going, this is it. So I like, I like that preparing to quit three phases. So, um, tell me a little bit, um, about the book. Um, you know, is there anything else involved in it? Anything else that, that it offers or has, or that you need? Well, in my view, you got to have a workbook. And so there's a lot of handouts that you got to fill out because you really want to process this stuff. Mm. I wrote a leader's guide that I think I put online or else I will put it online because I think that this only happens in groups. And I like what you were saying about how, um, you know, you, you'll eventually get caught and it'll be embarrassing because you're, you're right. You know, we're living in the hashtag me too times and a lot of people are getting taken down right. and that's not necessarily fair. 
Um, you know, yeah. cause yeah. a lot of youth pastors, a lot of senior pastors are struggling with this. And instead of being secretive about it, I wish they would just be honest about it. Um, but what you're starting to also point to is the benefits. Right. Think about how good it's going to feel when you hand your iPad or your smartphone to someone that needs to look something up on, you know, Bible gateway, of course. And you know, you know that there's nothing that they will find, right? you know, cause there's nothing there. And right. you, maybe your friend put a password on your phone. So, you know, you can hand it to the, you know, junior hires and say, Absolutely. yeah, go ahead and look up that video on YouTube. And there's nothing in your history that you're going to be embarrassed about. And it's so then also, you start to, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to well, say, it's also, uh, whoops, <laughs> I'm new at this podcast <laughs> thing. I'm not so good. At, no, I was going to say, it's also incriminating when, uh, if you ever get involved, uh, accused of any kind of, I had a, a, an intern with New Breed um, who got accused of something um, when he was in Europe. And he told me, he said, I definitely, you know, I gave this girl a ride home. She says this and that. She's obviously a very troubled girl, um, yada, yada. And, uh, and, and he said, the police took my laptop. And, wow. you know, and because she was saying I was saying this and that and that. And I said, really? And he goes, yeah, they took my laptop. And I said, what are they going to find? And with absolute confidence, he said, they're not going to find anything, Peyton, because I don't look at porn. He was one of the young guys I took through right after he got saved. And we would thrash this stuff out and talk about it because I don't want my young men to, to be taken down. And he just, and I knew when he said it. And, and of course, they did find that, you know, this girl, uh, you know, it didn't stand up. There was no uh, validation. And normally I tend to believe when someone makes an, an accusation, but I also know this dude. Yeah. And, um, he was like, no, I was just stupid. I just gave her a ride home after the, the thing. Cause she said she needed one. And, um, he goes, and I'll never do that again. You know, it's not something I normally do, but, uh, but just having that ability where even the authorities could suddenly take your computer and, you know, imagine they open it up, they find all this crap on there. They're like, yeah, you are oh, a yeah. perv. You know what I mean? And so yeah. there, there is a lot to be said for coming out and saying, you know what? Hey, I'm not, I'm not ashamed. I'm struggling. I'm not ashamed. I just want to do the right thing and get clean. That's, that's actually commendable, man. That's, 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 that's being caught by yourself. That's being caught by the spirit of God and making it right. And that's, that's a much better ending to a story than the alternative. Yeah. And I think in 21st century, absolutely every single person has the opportunity to struggle. And so you're just not alone. Right. Everybody struggles. And the only question is, did you put up any barriers and are you talking about it? You know, and if we can get to that point, I think that people start to get free. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, um, guys, my my guest today, and this has been a little bit of a longer podcast, but um, there's a reason for that. Um, this is such an important topic. And uh, those of you listening, you know, you know, you know, it's an, even if you're like, hey, I'm not struggling with it. I tell people all the day, all the time. I tell my wife, I said, there's not a day goes by. I don't think of pornography in some way, shape or form. It doesn't pop into my head because like you said, it's all around you. There's always something suggestive. Our culture is beginning to mirror pornography um, just when you're walking around. And, and, and the reality is, um, you know, I, there's no shame. Like I'm super honest with my wife about that stuff. If I'm tempted, like I might call her up sometimes and go, Hey, I'm getting really tempted to look at porn. <laughs> and she'll laugh <laughs> and she'd be like, well, thanks yeah. for letting me know, you know? And, uh, and I'll be like, yeah, yeah. I don't know what that's about. And she'd be like, Hey, are you really stressed or something? Yeah. You know, but the point is guys, um, there is freedom. It is real. Um, don't believe the lie that it's not possible. Joel, do you want to speak into that before we finish? 
Uh, yeah, I guess that I actually had uh, a woman that I gave a copy of the book, and she looked at me and she said, is it really possible that people can actually stop? And I didn't ask a lot of questions because I thought she was probably asking for, about herself. Yeah. You know, because that's the new the new thing is that it's not just a guy thing. Right. Um, but, I, but what I told her with complete honesty is that absolutely, you know, half of the people that used to be a regular smoker aren't smokers. And this is not like crack cocaine. It's yes, it's very habit forming, but absolutely you can get to a place where this is something that was in your past. I've seen it happen. I, I, for a lot of people, and um, there's never going to be a study because no one would fund this kind of thing. Um, but we know that these are the kinds of techniques and the kind of theology that will work. And if you're a pastor, um, you've seen people change miraculously from all different kinds of problems, whether it was alcohol or violence or just their coarse jesting or their bitterness or their selfishness. You've seen people grow. And so why would this be any different? People can absolutely get free. Awesome. Well, hey, guys, my uh, guest today has been Dr. Joel Hughes, and uh, I am on with him. Killing the Habit has been the book. Quitting Porn Under Grace. Dr. Hughes, thanks for being on today. Thanks so much for having me, Peyton. All right, man. Well, guys, thanks for joining us. We're not going to have the fight question because we've been talking about fighting this whole time, fighting our real enemy. So get the book. You can grab it on Amazon.com. Where else can they connect with you, Dr. Hughes? If you go to kickingthehabitbook.com, I have it up there. It's this. It's basically the uh, Amazon link, but I got some bonus materials. It's Kicking the Habit Book, just like it sounds. You can contact me. No one has ever contacted me other than if I know them in person. So maybe may people are scared or something. But go ahead and shoot me an email. <laughs> You're <laughs> a psychology professor. Of course we're all scared of you. <laughs> You're going to dismantle us mentally. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm psychoanalyzing everyone. Right? That's right. That's what we're all afraid of. So, hey, guys, again, check it out. Kicking the Habit, um, book.com, and uh, Dr. Joel Hughes. And thanks for joining us today for Hardcore Church Planning. Arnold, sign us out. Remember, if you are called to church planting, go hardcore or go home. Hey, I want to give a big shout out to our number one sponsor. They've been with us for years. I know them personally. Uh, the founder is Josh Henry. He is an ex-church planner. If you wonder why we have so much fun with SimplifyChurch.com's uh, ads, it's simply because we love these guys. We believe in them. I have used them. Gosh, as a church planner, I found them and have been using them for donkey's years. And if you don't know, that means a really long time. So head on over to simplifychurch.com. They're going to help you do all the stuff that you need to do, but nobody taught you to do in seminary. Things like bookkeeping, uh, payroll, um, you know, uh, dealing with the IRS, making sure you're compliant, sending end of year uh, donor receipts. If you haven't done that yet, tis the season. Uh, you have until the end of January to get those out to your people. So make sure you head on over to SimplifyChurch.com and let them simplify your church. You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planning. Hardcore Church Planning has been brought to you by the Church Planner Podcast and the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back.